Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that you're here. If you're a guest with us, I want to say welcome. Thank you for being at Embassy City. We are delighted that you're here. If you're watching us online, our Vitamin E family, thank you so much for tuning in with us, whether you're watching live or you're going to watch later, and those that are in the overflow, thank you so much for being a part of Embassy City. I believe that God is going to do something special today. Oh, yes. Anybody feel the presence of God in here? Like you could just reach out and touch him. When that happens, it's because God is drawing somebody. I believe somebody's direction is going to be changed today. I believe somebody's life is going to change today. We're in the second week of our series that we've named, What Do You See? And we have just completed one week of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Come on. Anybody holding on? The old timers used to say, just keep holding on. Just keep holding on. We got two more weeks. Um, Man, God's already doing something special. In fact, in the last week or so, as I've been praying and fasting, I feel this closeness with God. I feel like he's been talking to me more clearly. And this is what happens when you enter into prayer and fasting. It gives God an opportunity to create some intimacy with you. So I want to give you a little background for our sermon series called What Do You See? And I want to tell you why we named it. So uh, a few months ago, as we began talks about us coming over here and assuming the role of pastorate, uh, when it started becoming pretty obvious in my spirit that we were coming, I began to pray and ask God what he has in mind for our church as we step into this new season. So there's a book. Uh, it's called Start with Why by Simon Sinek. It's one of my favorite books ever. And it's a business book, leadership book, but essentially what Simon is saying, (laughs) well, it just hit me right now. I love corny jokes and one just hit me. But what Simon says (laughs) is we should start as individual organizations with answering the question, why? Because no one really cares what you do and how you do it until they understand why you do it. And I actually take that principle and I apply it to my spiritual life. So when I'm uh, working through, I'm trying to find vision, I ask God why a lot. Not because I'm trying to question his sovereignty. But I'm asking why to understand his vision. So as I begin to pray about what God is leading us into as a church body and as individuals, as Embassy City, I felt like the Lord very quickly began to download into my spirit what he has in mind for us as we step into this new season. And the first thing that God, I believe, spoke to me is that Embassy City exists so that people can know God. Not know of him, not just be intrigued by him, Not just be around him, but really get to know him intimately. The second thing that I felt like God said is part of our vision is that people would grow in their faith. 
You know, there's a difference between being a disciple and being a believer. You can be a believer without being a disciple, but you can't be a disciple without being a believer. There are many people that will, that will enter into a contract with God just to save themselves from the bad place. <laughs> and there it ends. But to be a devoted disciple of God means that you enter into a deep relationship that's ongoing with Jesus. It's one thing to be like, all right, here's my ring, I'm married. But you got to spend time with your spouse if you're going to have a good marriage. And the third thing that I felt like the Lord um, said that he's going to do through us is for us to change the world. And you're like, change the world? <laughs> that sounds large. I told y'all last week, when God gives you vision, it's huge. And it's bigger than what you can do in your own power. But I believe that really God is going to change the world through us. He's going to change the culture at your job, and in your home, at your school, in your environment. And there are going to be missionaries that go out of here. There are going to be ministers that go out of here. There are going to be doctors and lawyers and, and mechanics, all types of people that are going to come out of here. And they're going to change the world. So as God downloaded this to me, I started praying about it. And I realized that what God is going to do with us as we step into this next season is he's going to expand what has already been in the ethos of Embassy City. To come, grow, and go. So I'm about to just tell you what our vision is as we step into the season. Our vision here at Embassy City is to come to know God, to grow in faith, and to go change the world. That's what we're called to do. Everything that you, when you walk through the hall, you're going to see, come, grow, go. And let that be a reminder. We come to know God, we grow in faith, and we go change the world. We come to know God, we grow in faith, and we go change the world. And so today, I want to unpack the first branch of our, of our vision. And then for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the other two. But today, I want to talk about what it means to come to know God. And so if you have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 11, the book of Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse number 25. Here's what the scripture says. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse number 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, this word rest doesn't mean just sleep and laziness. This word rest is the same word that we find in Genesis chapter 1 where God created everything in the space of six days and on the seventh day the bible says that he looked upon all that he had done and he rested to rest means to cease from labor take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find here it is again rest for your souls here the rest is peace 
And soul, in the connotation of the Bible, is the innermost part of who you are. It's your mind, will, and emotions. So Jesus says, when you take my yoke upon you and learn of me, you will find peace in the innermost part of who you are. What a promise. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So for today, I just want to, my title will be, Come to Know God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you just for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for drawing us to your house. I pray that as we dig into your word, you would give us revelation from your word. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, a mind to understand what you have for us. Help us to walk out of here different than the way we came in. I pray, God, that for those that are heavy laden and those that are laboring, that they would find rest for their soul today. Help us to know what it means to come to know you. We give your name all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Some of y'all are like wondering why I'm wearing this backpack. Some of y'all didn't even see it. Some of y'all are going to get that on your way home because it's camo. You know what I'm saying? Oh, now I get it. That's a hunter's joke. You know what I'm saying? So I'm wearing this backpack because I want to demonstrate to you kind of what Jesus was talking about. Jesus here in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, he says, come unto me all who are laboring and heavy laden. Notice that Jesus didn't say, come unto me some of y'all. He didn't say, come unto me just a few of y'all. By the verbiage that Jesus uses, he is making the assumption that whoever hears his words, whoever reads his words, they are laboring and are heavy laden. Everyone in this place is yoked, is joined to burdens. And I want to show you this picture of what a yoke is so that you understand and you can have a mental image of what it means to be yoked. Jesus says that we are yoked. This yoke is an apparatus that's used to join uh, a beast of burden, usually oxen, to this device, and then a plow is attached to it, and they are to work in the field and pull the plow and take, uh, till the ground. So Jesus said that all of us have weights. All of us have burdens. All of us are carrying something. Now, there are three types of weights that we carry. The first weight are weights that you're born with because of sin. In fact, the scripture tells us that we're all born into sin and shaped in iniquity. Does anybody have small children or you've been around a small child? Did you know you don't have to teach them to be rebellious? <laughs> They're just rebellious because it's a sin nature. But the problem with, with a sin nature is it's a weight. You don't have to teach a child to be angry. It's a result of sin, sinful anger, right? It's a result. And so what ends up happening is they put it in their baggage, and now it's an additional weight on them 
And this, these are just sins that were born. In fact, the scripture says that it is within the heart of man to do evil from his youth. It's just nature to want to pull against the righteousness of God and fulfill unrighteousness. So it's in your nature just to be unrighteous. And it's a wait. And Jesus is dealing with people who have put on weights of rebellion and anger and envy and strife and bitterness. And they're just born with those things, right? But those are not the only types of weights that we carry. There's a second type of weight. And these are weights that others have put on us. Because what happens when your parents go through a rough divorce and it has an effect on you, it wasn't your fault. But now it's become a weight that you have to carry. What happens when you were abused as a child? Someone took advantage of you, whether it be sexually, mentally, emotionally. It becomes a weight in your life. What happens when you've gone into a church and you've trusted the man of God and then he uses his influence against you? It wasn't you. You, you just came because you wanted to hear a word from God and you wanted to draw closer to Jesus. But when that was taken advantage of, now... Someone else put another weight on you. What happens when you've gone through some hurt and pain? You've gone uh, through, through situations where someone has lied on you. It becomes a weight. What, what happens when, when you feel like you're doing the right thing, but everybody has unmet expectations? When you have to deal with the expectations of, of parents that you were never enough. It's a weight. What happens when you have a weight put on you of abandonment? You were a child. You didn't have a decision. This wasn't your plan. This is not what you had in mind. But it becomes a weight. And so now you have the weight of just sin. Then you have the weight of what others have put on you. And what ends up happening is when we carry weight, we try to find ways to alleviate the pain of heaviness. Right? What's the first thing you do? A lot of people do when they get a headache. They try to go grab some Tylenol. They look for medication. And we do this in life too. When we are carrying weights, carrying weights of, of just the natural inclination towards sin, and we carry weights of, of, of things that other people have put on us, what do we do? We respond to it by trying to overcome what we're dealing with by trying to numb the pain. So we end up Here's the third category of weights. We end up putting weights on ourselves by our own actions and behaviors. So now, because I've got the weight of abandonment, I'm running from relationship to relationship to relationship, trying to find somebody to accept me, but they abandon me, so now that becomes a weight. What ends up happening is I try to numb the pain of abuse by turning to drugs and partying and alcohol. And I'm putting on weights. What happens when there, there are unmet expectations? Well, now I'm going to get a career and I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to work myself to death. But then you still get tired and worn out. And what are you doing? You're just putting on more weights. So now the burden becomes heavier. And here's what happens. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to get rid of the weights because our culture tells us to act like everything is okay. Don't let nobody see your pain. Don't let nobody see you cry. 
Can I talk to some men in the house? Our culture tells us, stiffen your upper lip. No pain, no gain. So what if you got molested? So what if you got taken advantage of? As a man, don't, don't show your face. Don't show your pain. Can I talk to some ladies here? Can I talk to some families? Our culture tries to convince us that we're not supposed to show our inefficiencies and our failures and our vulnerabilities. Just toughen up and carry the weight. And so people come to church still carrying weights. People go to work still carrying weights. People go into the marketplace still carrying weights. And then what ends up happening is, hey, I'm going to make it to Friday because on Friday I can relieve myself. But then Saturday morning you wake up with more weights. Oh, oh, I'm going I'm to buy that car. I'm going to buy that house. But then the bills come for that house and that car, and you got more weights, right? So what ends up happening is we got a bag full of weights, and now we're carrying this baggage, and now we're trying to enter into relationships, and we can't really be ourselves. Why? Because we're weighed down with things in our lives. And Paul, the apostle Paul, knew exactly what this felt like. You can read about his conversion experience in Acts chapter 9. He is persecuting the church. He is uh, murdering. He is breathing out threatenings towards the church because he's a Jewish zealot. And then Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus. And he has this amazing conversion experience. Then he becomes the apostle Paul. He moves from Saul to Paul. He starts doing the will of God. And he's writing two-thirds of the New Testament. And he's, he's trying to do what's, what, what God has called him to do. But then we find that Paul, the apostle Paul, is still having to wrestle with weights. And this is what he says in Romans chapter 7. He says, there is in my flesh a war that wages against the spirit. So then when I would do good, I don't do it. Why? Because evil is present with me. Every time I try to do right, I can't fulfill right. Why? Because wrong is pulling me backwards. He says, I've got weights that every time I take three steps forward, it seems like it's pulling me two steps back. Anybody know what that feels like? Come on. Anybody know? You've been through this in the fast, right? You decided to fast on Sunday. Monday morning, somebody comes in with a casserole. They've never invited you to dinner. They've never invited you to lunch. But then all of a sudden, when you decide, I'm going to pray and fast, they show up. Hey, I want to take you to Del Frisco's. (laughs) This is what Paul starts talking about. Paul says, check this out, Romans chapter 7, verse number 21. He says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, in my soul, in my heart. I delight it. But I see in my members, my body, another law waging war against the law of my mind. And making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Paul here is saying, I've got weights strapped to me. That even when I'm trying to do the will of God, I've got burdens. This is why Jesus said there are two things going on. One is you have burdens. You are heavy laden. But just because you're heavy laden doesn't mean that you don't have to labor. Because how many know that just because you've been abandoned and just because you've gone through some hard times and just because you have weights doesn't mean that you don't have to wake up on Monday morning and go to work. 
And for some, the answer has been taking their own life. And the Christian version of suicidal thoughts is, God, let me go to sleep and not wake up tomorrow. How many have ever been there? I've been there personally where I had so much weight on me as a preacher, as a husband, as a father, that I looked at some painkillers and thought, this could all be over because of weights. Then Paul says this, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And it's, when we read this, we think, okay, hey, this sounds so simple, but here's what Paul was alluding to in the Roman Empire. The Romans prided themselves on their torture techniques. They prided themselves on the ability to punish you to the point of death without you dying. They, in fact, crucifixion, they're the ones that popularized crucifixion. And crucifixions, you would think, was very quickly. But no, the way they set up the crucifixion, it took a very long time for you to die. And they had different, like the cat of nine tails. They knew exactly how to whip you until the bone and the flesh was showing, but you wouldn't die. They, they prided themselves on the ability to torture you or to punish you to the point of death without you dying. And when Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He is alluding to a practice that the Romans had. What the Romans would do is if you were a murderer and you were charged and found guilty, they would take the body of your victim and they would affix it to you. The living murderer would have to stand there and they would take this dead body and put you face to face with it and they would affix it by the waist, the arms, the legs, and the neck. And what would end up happening is the dead body, as it would decay and get diseased, it would transfer the disease to the living murderer until he began to be infected by the disease of the victim. And what the Romans were trying to display to the person is this is the result of your own actions. The result of your sin is now infecting you, and it was a long, cruel painful process and what Paul is saying no doubt he has seen this happen because remember he lived in that time he probably saw somebody have to go through this and he says oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death no doubt he has watched over and over these murderers have these bodies strapped to them what are you going to do if you're strapped you're going to call out for anybody to relieve you Somebody please cut this body up off me. Somebody please get this for me. I know I made a mistake. I know I, I messed up. I know I didn't do right. Please just relieve me from the consequence of my own sin. This is what Paul is saying. And if we were to stop here, it would seem as if the story is over and that there's no hope for humanity. But I'm so thankful that Paul didn't leave us in the place of saying, oh, wretched man that I am. But Paul goes on. He says, thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Then he opens up chapter 8 with this. There is therefore now no condemnation 
to those who are in Christ Jesus. This is what Jesus was talking about when he's told people, hey, all of you that are carrying weights, I want you to come unto me. Because what Jesus is offering to us is every weight that you've been carrying, everything that's been pulling you back, if you come unto me, I will take your shame, your guilt, your sorrow, your hurt, your abuse, your suffering. I will take it and I'll put it on my own back. I'll relieve you of the consequence of your own sin. I'll relieve you of the consequence of sins that have been put on you. I'll relieve you of your own sinful nature. I will take from you all the things that have been weighing you down. This is what it means to know God. Because all of us are carrying weights. All of us have burdens. All of us have been trying to look cool. And be easy going. And act like nothing's happening. While we're weighed down. So why is Jesus able to say to us. Come unto me. All that are laboring. And are heavy laden. I will give you rest. It's because he who knew no sin. Became sin for us. I want to read this passage. Because in order to understand. The beauty of what Jesus offers. Isaiah chapter 53 is a depiction of Christ. And I want to read it to you because somebody needs to hear this. Isaiah 53 says, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, 
he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. How sobering to think that because you have weight, Christ died on the cross so he could carry your weight and my weight, your sorrow and my sorrow. The one who knew no sin, the one who was innocent, the one who is the son of God, the one who was not guilty of any sin, was willing to give his life to bear in himself every single wrong that we have done. This is the gospel. This is the redemptive work of Christ. This is what it means to come and know God. Because to know God means to be joined to him. Remember the picture of the yoke? Jesus didn't promise us that we wouldn't have a yoke. He didn't say that life was going to be easy and you would have no trouble. He didn't say that you wouldn't go through suffering. He didn't say that you wouldn't become sick. He didn't say that you may have to fight through, through lack of finances. What he did say is that he would carry the most weight. And the image that Jesus is giving us here is what farmers at that time would do is if there was a young oxen who was plowing a field and the burden was too heavy for it. And it couldn't last very long because... It was trying to labor, it was trying to till the ground, but it, the weight is just too heavy. What the farmer would do is he would get a more mature ox, one that had been in the fields many years, one that knew how to rip through ruts and till up the ground. And it was just a working machine that he just knew how to bear weight and knew how to cultivate the ground. What the farmer would do is he would affix, he would yoke together that young oxen to that mature oxen. And what would happen is the mature oxen would bear the brunt of the weight. And it would also set the pace for cultivating the ground and laboring. And what the young oxen would do is it would learn from the mature oxen how to bear weight. And how to pace themselves. And how to stop when they needed to stop. And how to go when they needed to go. It didn't alleviate the young oxen from bearing weight or having to labor or having to have something affixed to it. But when you are joined, when you're yoked, when you know, myself I can't make it y'all if I depend upon my own strength I'll run out I'll run out of energy 
But if I can go. If I can just come to know God. If I can join myself to his yoke. If you can join yourself to the yoke of Christ. My friend. It doesn't promise that you won't have to go through some stuff. But it's so much better going through things when you're yoked to Jesus. Because when you're yoked to Jesus, you will find rest for your soul. I can go through some tough things. I can handle busting through some ruts as long as I'm affixed to Jesus. Because what would end up happening is as the younger oxen would learn from the older one, his strength would grow. His ability would grow. The reason why I'm preaching this is because first and foremost, we exist as a church because we want to help people come to meet God. We're not even worried about anything else. You can come hear great music and we're going to have great music. You're going to have uh, hopefully a great message. But at the end of the day, my friend, we want you to know God. We want you to find rest for your soul. And that's what this is all about. So there's two people that I want to reach today. The first person is the one that's in this place that you've been bearing, you've been bearing burdens and you've been laboring under a heavy load. And you haven't found the rest, the peace of God yet because you haven't entered into a relationship with God. You still have the yoke on for yourself. And you're not sure if you had a conversion experience. Maybe you prayed the sinner's prayer. Maybe you came down to the altar, but nothing changed for you. What I want to tell you, this is the moment. This is the atmosphere. This is the environment that you can come to know God. And what do I mean by that? I mean enter into a relationship where you get yoked with him. And what it takes is total surrender from your own yoke and put on his yoke. And how do we do that? Well, the scripture says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. If you feel the Lord pulling at you right now, and you feel like, man, I've got I've to lean in. I've got to, I feel this call. I'm ready to take that step and follow Jesus. I'm ready to know God. I'm ready to say, Savior, come into my life and be the Lord of my life. If this is the moment for you, then I'm going to pray a prayer. And as I pray this prayer, I want you to repeat it after me. You can say it out loud or quietly. It doesn't matter. It's between you and God. But I believe that somebody's going to make a decision right now to, to know God. So you would bow your heads, close your eyes. For those that are ready to take this step, I want you to repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus forgive me of my sins forgive me of wrongdoing come into my life and be the Lord of my life say Jesus I surrender to your yoke teach me your ways help me to learn from you Say this with me, friend. Help me to walk in your footsteps by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Say, thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer and for answering me. I devote my life to you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is what I want you to do. If you just pray that prayer, and it, either it's the first time or it's the first time um, that you've said it sincerely, you've made that decision, I want you to stand. If you're in this building, if you're on the line, just put a chat up there. I want you to stand all across the building. Come on, stand. Come on. Come on, if you said it, I want you to stand. I want you to stand tall. We celebrate with you today. Come on, church, let's make some crazy noise. Here's what I want you to know. If you are here and you prayed, you've taken that step to come to know God. The reason why we're celebrating with you is because we celebrate you making a decision to come into the family of God. And all the people that you heard cheering for you will continue to cheer for you. Because Embassy City Church. Let me tell you, first and foremost, we come to know God. We come to know God. This is the place for people who need healing. This is the place for people who have faced rejection and maybe been dismissed and maybe had to deal with unmet expectations and maybe had to go through some abuse and maybe have been rejected or maybe have been dejected. This is a place. It's a refuge. It's an embassy. It's a place for people to find asylum. So I'm so proud of you. You may be seated. This is what I want, to, want you to know. Your next step is water baptism. So we're going to throw a QR code up here. According to the scripture, Acts chapter 2, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Also, Jesus spoke about this, Matthew 28, 19. He said, go into the world, preach the gospel, and baptize them. Here's what I want you to know. If you just prayed that prayer, your next step is water baptism, which is going to be March 5th. Now, if you're in this place and you've never been water baptized, go to this link and sign up. Because we're going to be baptizing as many people as want to do it. Let me really quickly explain what baptism is. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward faith. Baptism is like this ring. This ring doesn't make me married. I made that covenant with my wife. But this ring displays to everybody that I encounter that I am married. And what water baptism does, it displays for all to see that I made a decision to follow Jesus. This is why we want you to be baptized. And you ain't got to bring nothing but yourself. We got the shorts. We got the t-shirts. Never been used. Don't worry. We got the towels. The water's going to be warm, hopefully. But we're going to have a good old time baptizing. Now, I'm going to close. But before I do, I told you I had two people to pray for. The next person I want to pray for is for those of you that you've already had a conversion experience. Maybe you feel like Paul. You know what it's like to walk with Jesus. You know what it's like to be linked to him. But maybe you've gotten ahead of Jesus. And you've taken on more burdens than you should. And you're weighed down a little more. Because what ends up happening with the younger oxen, if it gets uncomfortable or maybe wants to get ahead and do a little more, it'll outrun the pace of the older oxen. That's a whole other message. But what ends up happening is when you do that, you bear on more weight than you're supposed to carry. And what Jesus is saying is, come on back. 
let me bear some more of that weight. So if you're in this place and you know God, but you're bearing a lot of weight, I want to pray for you. Because I believe that today something's going to change. You're going to feel, you will feel, let me just speak this over you right now. You're going to feel a weight come up off your shoulders. Maybe you're going through a, a divorce and you're bearing the weight of it. Maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe finances ain't acting right. Maybe you feel too much pressure at your job. Maybe you've been praying during this 21 days. God, give me peace. Give me rest. Some of y'all have been taking an abundance of sleeping pills. I believe that God's about to give you rest so that you can sleep without the aid. If you would bow your heads, close your eyes. Dear Jesus, we just come to you. We want to say thank you, God, for carrying the weight, for taking on the burden. And so right now, God, we come to you and we give you the weight that we've been carrying and we take on your yoke. For you promise that you are gentle and lowly of heart. And if we do so, we will find rest for our soul, peace for our inner self. So right now, God, we commit to just taking on your yoke. We release the burdens and the pressures of life and we give it to your hand. We find rest and peace and tranquility in your presence and under your yoke. We thank you, Lord God. We, won't, we also won't, God, neglect to do the work that we're supposed to do. If we need counseling, God, help us to go to counseling. If we need to talk to somebody, we'll talk to somebody. If we need to, we need to do whatever is physically able, Lord, it doesn't, your promise doesn't neglect those things. But it's so much better, Lord God, for us to do those things as we're yoked to you than to try to do it on our own. And so now we just thank you. We give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor for you're worthy of it. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel, at youtube.com forward slash Embassy City Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text Embassy City, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.